A new report by actuaries says New Zealand super will become even more important to future retirees and does not need to be reformed. The Retirement Income Interest Group, which is part of the New Zealand Society of Actuaries, has done a stock take of retirement income policy. Actuaries are the professional assessors of risk and the impacts of future events for industries like finance and insurance. The report by finance and risk specialist Alison O'Connell and other actuaries has found that it's much more important to turn attention to KiwiSaver than to meddle with NZ Super. She says a lot is made about how much NZ Super costs, but it would be counterintuitive to raise the age of eligibility from 65 to 67. This takes into account that young people are not able to save enough and the disparity of how long different New Zealanders live, also life expectancy tracking up. Dr O'Connell says NZ Super is an absolutely basic requirement replied on by people of all ages and is a basic need, particularly where previous research has found people actually underestimate how much they have or will need in their KiwiSaver to supplement it. Alison O'Connell's with us now. Good morning. Thanks very much. Good morning, Catherine. Thanks very much for having me on the programme. Can you explain exactly what an actuary is and how you do these kinds of assessments? Yes, I'd love to. There aren't too many of us around, so um, it's not surprising people don't know what we do. Um, we we look, look backwards to look forward. So we find insights by analysing the past and projecting forward what might happen in the future. Um, we work where finance and risk meet. So um, retirement, retirement um, policy or retirement planning is a good example. You need to look forward into the long term. You need to understand investment returns, how they might vary in future. It's very uncertain. And you need to understand how long people might live. So that's another risk and very uncertain. So we put that all together in a big model so that we can answer questions about what might happen in future, how much money needs to be put to um, risks such as um, in retirement, the risk is longevity risk, the risk of living too long. You're very good at maths, you lot. Is that fair to say? <clears throat> yes, most of us. Oh, sorry, um, most of us have maths degrees. Uh, it's interesting. This I know you've long studied retirement income uh, here and overseas. But what caused you and your group to do the stock take now of NZ Super? We've been um, working this group for some years. Um, sorry, Catherine, I'm just going to have a... Take a moment. That's absolutely fine. Alison yeah. O'Connell is our guest. She's a finance and risk specialist. She is with the Retirement Income Interest Group, which is part of the New Zealand Society of Actuaries, and they have just done this stock take of retirement income planning in New Zealand. The dreaded morning frog. I know it well, Alison. Uh, Thank carry you on. That's better. Um, so we've been working as a group for a few years. We've looked... Um, at New Zealand Super, Longevity and KiwiSaver before. Our last few reports have been on KiwiSaver and trying to look at some real data and not just averages of how much people have in KiwiSaver. Um, it's, it's less than people think. That's the problem. And so we decided we needed to turn our attention to New Zealand Super Again, do a stock take of where we are. There's some new longevity data we needed to incorporate. And um, somewhat out of sync with the political cycle, perhaps. Um, but there, we, there are always uh, ref ideas for reform of New Zealand super going round and round. So we uh, decided we need to take another look at those in the light of current circumstances and see 
um, where where New Zealand super is and whether it's true or not that we need to reform it because we can't afford it. And it's not true. Spoiler alert. It's not true. <laughs> we'll come back because the other assumption is that people are, you know, are going to live longer, they're going to work longer, and this is why you can raise the, the, the age. You've got your views on that, and I want to go in that into detail, why this current generation actually is going to be more reliant on it even than the existing population. One of the premises being of New Zealand Super and where it's set, that you will have a mortgage-free home at retirement. But first, could you talk a little bit about the nexus that you've done or, or that you've uh, identified between NZ Super and KiwiSaver and how much KiwiSaver is, if you like, already topping up Super in individuals' retirements? It's not topping it up a lot currently. What... Uh and this is because KiwiSaver only started in 2007, we're only getting the first generations through of people being able to reach age 65 with some KiwiSaver. Now, they may have other savings, they may have um, equity and housing and so on, but that's not really brought together in the data to analyse in a, in a complete way. So what we did was get the data on how much people actually have at KiwiSaver at different ages across the population and we got a, a good sample of uh, across the market and then we projected that forward so we could see uh, the, the distribution of how much KiwiSaver people would be likely to have at age 65 if they keep on contributing um, and we did that differently for people starting currently at age um, 55, age 50, age 45. So we can see some trends as generations come through. And even at um, the youngest people that we looked at, the age 45, um, for example, half of those, even if they carry on contributing at the current rate, are only going to have enough KiwiSaver that will top up their um, New Zealand super by about a half or a third. Uh, sorry, a quarter to a third. So someone currently age 45 who's like in the middle of KiwiSavers now will reach age 65, they'll get their New Zealand super and in income terms their KiwiSaver can top up a little bit on top of that, a quarter to a third. Very nice to have. It's great that KiwiSaver came in and, and New Zealanders have, got, have had that opportunity to save. But it's not as though... There's so much money going into KiwiSaver that it's going to give great riches when you reach retirement. I'm just trying to look at the current super rates. I've only got them weekly, unfortunately, but I think it's around, is it, is it around 24000 for a single? Uh, help me with what the current super entitlements yeah, so, are, please. So a single person living alone, the annual rate is 25800 um, And for a couple, it's? It's uh, $36,000. 39,000. 39, so you yeah. would, if you were a single uh, and you get a quarter to a third, you're getting something like maybe a, a, an extra six to 8,000 on top. That, that's right. And if you're and a couple, it's um, a third would be another 13,000 um, yeah. on top. And, and of course, it, it's really crucial that it, it's how you take that KiwiSaver. So um, we're, we're making an assumption that you might take sort of 4% of your KiwiSaver every year and draw that down and hope that that lasts to the end of your life. But people might not do that. They might 
want to take all of it while they're in their active first years of retirement. So obviously it'll run out quicker. The beauty of New Zealand Super, of course, is that it lasts however long you live. And because we all have that longevity risk, we are we are all at risk of living uh, longer than we expect and all our other money running out. So that's why New Zealand Super is, is a really important basic need for everyone. You mentioned, however, that the current generation coming through facing such high housing costs, finding it so hard to save, indeed dipping into their KiwiSaver for deposits, that they're actually going to be more reliant on New Zealand super at the level it is now or, or relative to, to other investments than, than the already retired. What they will have, some of them, however, is a longer time frame to build up that KiwiSaver balance. What did you... You, you didn't look at the younger ones, though. You didn't look at the 20s and 30s and roll them through. No, so we looked at... The youngest age we looked at was the age 45. Mm. And um, they've had KiwiSaver for pretty much all their career, if they, if they wanted it. Um, so uh, the younger, younger generation are going to have the potential of KiwiSaver for longer. But they are also going to have, as you say, um, the high housing costs for much of their saving life. And then if they don't um, have a home at then in retirement, they're going to have the high renting costs, which is not the situation that New Zealand Super was designed, designed for. And in fact, it's alarming already if we bring this together with previous interviews with housing advocates. Yeah. We are in for a shock in the next decade or more with the percentage yeah. of retirees who will still be paying rent in retirement, which beggars up that calculation. Yeah. What What else did you look at in, in terms of whether, okay, put the age up two years for a future generation, they can prepare and adapt for that, um, or other possible um, fiddles with New Zealand Super that have been considered in the past? What did you do when you ran them through your models? Yeah, we, we ran them through... Um, uh, uh, really looking at the criteria for how we, we think New Zealand super should work for New Zealanders. Um, you know, this is, um, is it equitable? Is it adequate? Is it, does it empower people to save? Is it sustainable? And so on. Um, and all of the, the three main reform options that people talk about are means testing, um, changing the age of eligibility or making the, the age of eligibility flexible. You can choose when you take your New Zealand super. Um, all of those have, have problems. Um, the means testing one is particularly problematic because it just introduces so many more complications, both in the saving stage, um, you know, disincentive to save if you don't think you're going to get the full value of your saving, if it's going to be taken away from you when you get to your, um, your New Zealand super entitlement. Um, but also in the in the drawdown period, and you see this very much in um, the UK and Australia, people don't know how much to take out of their KiwiSaver or they're restricted so much if by doing so their means testing is going to cut in. So you spend your retirement um, you know, worrying every year about how much you can take from your savings and ending up not taking what you could and not having as good a retirement as you could. So we think that's really problematic. It introduces, um, you know, costly, complex systems. Um, so we don't like that one. We also don't like um, having flexibility at the, the age in which you take your super because what international evidence shows is that people take it to, as soon as they can which shows the need. But then 
um, because if you take it early, you have it at a lower level, you're then living potentially for a very long time in retirement on a lower level than um, your peers who waited until they got the full amount. So that's not a good outcome, and it's particularly not a good outcome for people um, who are concerned about their health and concerned about how long they might live, but actually they do live longer than they think. The age of eligibility reform is like the most logical reform. And I mean, as actuaries, you'd probably expect us to say that because you look at longevity increasing, you look at um, every generation living longer than the last. And although that's not happening as fast as it used to, it still is happening to, to a large extent. So it sort of makes sense that you'd think of putting up 65 to 67. The problem with that is that there's huge disparities in um, health and how long people can expect to live in New Zealand. And it, it's visible because the data is by ethnicity and that's different than from in a lot of other countries. And um, so looking at the how much New Zealand costs, the actual percentage of GDP that we spend on um, on New Zealand super, it's actually pretty small. This is the big one. Let me just pause here because we're now going yeah. to the cost for the whole country. Yeah. And the argument was that with the big baby boomer retirement, the cost of New Zealand super as a percentage of GDP, the percentage of what the country earns uh, every year by that particular measure, it would double from four, I think, latest projections was 9%. And this was one of the arguments for bringing in the New Zealand superannuation fund to help yeah. offset that. So yeah. you looked at whether the country could afford to go as high as 9% of GDP for the total bill. And what did you find? How did you find it? Well, we we looked at the cost in New Zealand. And cost is a bad word. It's not. It's really transfer of, of tax take, isn't it? It's expenditure. Um, so it is a political choice. So we so uh, we can afford it if we take that political choice. Okay. Now in in New Zealand, we start um, at a similar level to the UK of around four point eight percent of GDP going on on New Zealand super compared to the UK state pension. And actually, if you take into account um, the New Zealand super fund, the latest projection is for, even if you look over a wildly long period to 2072, we're only just over 6% of GDP for New Zealand super, whereas the UK goes up to 8% of GDP. And in the UK, they pay an extra 2% of GDP on tax relief for private pensions. And as you know, our incentives to save in KiwiSaver are uh, really low. I mean, 0.2 or 3% of GDP. So we're very, um, we're getting very good value for money for New Zealand super. It doesn't cost as much as in other countries. And we get great value for it that all New Zealanders appreciate. And it's, it's um, looked on from other countries as a really good scheme. So it's very finely balanced, this issue about whether or not age of eligibility should go up. In one way, it sends a good message about we're all living longer, we should be aware of that, we should be planning that. But on the other hand, there are many people in New Zealand who would really struggle. Yeah, many many would barely be entitled yeah. for the pension, yeah. unfortunately, before yeah. their life expectancy kicks in. Yeah. Just very um, quickly, Alison, because I would like you to come back, uh, in, if you don't mind, and to raid your expertise periodically in our, in our oh, finance segment. Would love to. But uh, for today, the, 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 the Kiwi say that you said if you're going to look at anything to tweak, 
it would be KiwiSaver. I don't want to go into detail now, but what's on your mind with that? Or are you simply saying it would be the lesser of two evils to play mm-hmm. with KiwiSaver? Uh, we're saying don't touch New Zealand super, doesn't need it. Um, um, KiwiSaver, on the other hand, is work- the machinery is working really well, but people aren't getting a lot from it. And what more can we do to help people shovel more money into it? Now, of course, that's, again, not for everybody. For, for a lot of people, that will be really difficult to do. I'm, I'm not advocating for huge um, change or even any particular change in KiwiSaver. But there's definitely a question about why do we save so little? Why, compared to other countries, our second-tier pension has such low contributions? And um, I think that, that could be reviewed and um, reconsider to see how we can help people get more in. Well, two obvious answers to that. One is income adequacy and to have anything left um, once the bills are paid. I know you're supposed to pay yourself first, but sorry, when it comes to feeding children, that's where most people go. And second, the the trend that had started some years ago of withdrawing in order to do the house deposit, that was not envisaged at the outset. and so it's obviously having an impact on, on the progression of funds. Alison, I look forward to you coming back. We'll be in touch. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Catherine. Alison O'Connell of the New Zealand Society of Actuaries, that's Retirement Income Interest Group.